Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Let's get to our guest, Thomas Taw, head of APAC iShares Investment Strategy at BlackRock. Thomas, great to have you with us here on the program. So I'm trying to work this out in my head. The Fed sort of botched it last year, and it's really fighting back now to restore its reputation. So you know there's a danger that they might go too far. But in any case, what's the more powerful force? Inflation rolling over and starting to head down, or the Fed raising interest rates? Hey, good morning. Yeah, that's that is obviously the big question that everyone's asking at the moment. You know, I think if we look at the the speech that Powell gave on on Friday, not not a huge surprise, but in terms of how the market reacted to it, it it's it's not so much that we think that the terminal rate will be necessarily that much higher, but it's more in the fact that they're basically pushing back on the pivot. So the expectation that we'll get rate cuts in the second half of the year uh, have somewhat, somewhat dissipated, and that's obviously had an impact on, on longer duration stocks. But, you know, for us, this is still a very much a, a supply-driven uh, type of issue and one that really can't be, can't be 100% solved by uh, keeping interest rates uh, very high for very long. So, you know, for us, the danger is that the, the Fed are sort of choosing to quell inflation uh, at the expense of growth. Uh, and that's going to be very hard to sort of back down from uh, over the next three to six months as obviously the data is lagging. And as we start to see, see growth come off, possibly unemployment heading higher, uh, it'll be, mm. it will be more difficult for the Fed to actually back away from that policy. So I think that's the main concern from us. We're, we are still relatively defensive and, and have been so during this uh, during this rally. Okay, so relatively defensive, and and we heard from Neil Neil Kashkari as well, saying that the rally you saw from June to August, not encouraging. What kind of happens towards the latter part of the year then, in your view? Well, I mean, for us, as I said, we continue to be relatively defensive. So, you know, if you look at our our asset allocations over the next six months, we're, we're underweight. DM, uh, U.S. equities. We are neutral on, on Asia, Asia X, Japan, uh, China. So re- I guess relatively more optimistic uh, on, on Asian equities, but but certainly not that optimistic on, on DM equities. So, you know, we think that the, the Fed, uh, possibly other central banks, ECB as well, will likely raise rates by 75 pips at the next meeting also, are, are, are again sort of choosing to, to fight inflation uh, at the expense of growth. And that's obviously going to have a big impact on, on the economy. So, uh, you know, for yeah. us, Staying defensive, staying short duration uh, on the fixed income side, and and and, and picking more defensive type uh, exposures and equities. But in the end, the Fed is data dependent, uh, so it will be watching the data. And if the data slows, then the Fed will slow. Yes. So they so, <laughs> so they keep telling us, um, but that that is correct. Yeah. But um, it obviously is a lag mechanism, right? So you know, a lot of eyes will be on the NFP this uh, this week. Uh, unemployment is obviously very important to the Fed. There is there is also a big difference if you look at PCE, which they're watching, versus CPI, where you have energy and food prices, which are really the drivers of inflation yeah. uh, at the moment. So, 
Um, yes, they are data dependent, but the data is, is lagging. And so by the time they, they, they look to reverse, maybe second half of next year, then you know, it might be a little bit too late in terms of uh, GDP yeah. growth. I just mentioned we had a stronger than expected yuan fix for a fifth day from the PBOC and certainly the impact uh, in Asian currencies as we see the inflation fight by central bankers uh, wreaking quite a bit of havoc and, and causing some concern that we could see the same as what we saw in 1997. Your view on, on what China's trying to do here to stem the yuan decline and I guess your outlook for uh, the China economy too? Sure. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, all eyes are on are on the seven uh, handle at the moment. Uh, but in terms of uh, in terms of the outlook on on China, it, it's obviously very difficult to find uh, uh, bullish uh, bullish reasonings for for investors to to move into that. I mean, over the last couple of weeks, we have seen um, some some uh, uh, optimistic news in terms of the the stimulus package that we got. Uh, uh, some news on uh, good news on ADR delistings uh, possibly being uh, uh, that situation um, uh, being sort of uh, handled. But uh, all eyes are still on the COVID zero situation. And I, I think until we get some kind of inkling from from the China Chinese government that uh, there is some prospect for, for reopening into next year or a shift away from COVID zero strategy. It seems to me like foreign investors are, are, are shying away from uh, from Chinese equities and also Chinese uh, Chinese bonds. So, you know, no matter what we kind of hear on, on the economy and stimulus and, uh, and ADR delisting, until that situation is kind of uh, uh, covered, uh, it's going to be quite difficult for investors to move back into China. So, you know, for us, we're, we're still neutral on, on Chinese equities. From a longer term perspective, you know, there are there are uh, reasonings to, to buy that that asset class, but for, for the short term, still very volatile. After the party Congress, um, it's debatable whether or not Xi Jinping doubles down on his restrictive policies in many areas, tight regulation and such, or whether or not there's a little more of a comfort zone to, to open up. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with you that there's not very um, there's not a very strong likelihood that COVID policies will be relaxed, uh, but is there at least a chance that perhaps we see less regulation going forward? I think there's a very strong chance of that. I mean, you know, I've I've kind of had the same position over the last few months, which which is the less the regulators say, the better. I mean, there have been obviously some some new implications in terms of of, of the property sector, uh, etc. But also, one thing that we've been looking at recently is is on these heavily regulated, uh, uh, impacted companies in the in the tech sector. Actually, the earnings have have, have beaten expectations. If you look at uh, companies like Meituan, Tencent, Alibaba, you know, not obviously not a lot was expected given uh, COVID lockdowns and tech regulation. But actually, earnings have been relatively better than expected. But um, until we get some shift away from COVID zero policy, that doesn't really matter that much because we always have the possibility that we'll get further lockdowns, uh, as you were reporting on earlier, and that will obviously impact the, 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 those companies' bottom line. So everyone is watching that. Um, you know that that. Uh, that speech in October and November, wh- whenever we get it, is going to be very important. I, I don't think investors are expecting Xi to come out and say we're moving away from COVID zero, but if we get some kind of some kind of tiny inkling that maybe you know quarantine rules are changing or you know there there's some kind of shift in 
um, some kind of shift in vaccinations or, or whatever it might be, that, that could be a possibility for a rally. But until then, you know, I, I expect it's just going to be volatile as, as the market sort of moves within a range. Where we have seen an incredibly fast pivot, though, is in ASEAN. I mean, virtually no restrictions anymore in the likes of Singapore and Thailand. Thailand saying they're expecting to welcome uh, 7.5 million overseas tourists in the second half. Has this reopening theme across ASEAN already been priced in? Um, I I think a lot of it has been priced in. I mean, it's been fairly well documented. Uh, you know, Thailand clearly has a very uh, high sensitivity sensitivity towards tourism, uh, and you know that's that's obviously very impactful. ASEAN has done done very well this year relative to the rest of the markets. It's it's something we were kind of looking at as sort of the last. Uh, COVID rotation trade in terms of, you know, starting with China and then into the U.S. in 2020, 2021, into Europe, uh, and then finally into, into ASEAN as kind of the last uh, the last, um, the last last region to actually move away from that. So a lot of it has been priced in, but, you know, we still need to see the data. So I think mm-hmm. investors will continue to buy that because other regions are still under pressure. All right, Thomas, always a pleasure. Thank you. Thomas Toa, head of APAC iShares Investment Strategy at BlackRock, joining us from Hong Kong. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.